Hey everyone, this is Last Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys, and on this week's episode, Ben Gulker and I are joined by Sean Murphy of Woodward Pistons to talk about the results of the 2022 NBA Draft. We give our thoughts on the selection of Jaden Ivey and Jalen Dern, and break down how that impacts Detroit's upcoming free agency plans. And then Ben and Sean laugh at me for being unable to help myself when it comes to Miles Bridges. As always, we appreciate your continued support of the podcast. The best way to do, it, to do that is to share, subscribe, and leave comments. Please leave comments on the discussion post on Detroit Bad Boys. That's the best way for us to have the conversation that we want to have around the podcast. In order to do that, though, you have to be following DetroitBadBoys.com, which you should be doing because it's the best place on the internet for Pistons news and analysis this offseason. With all that said, it's time to go to work. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to this week's episode of the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson. Pleased, as always, to be joined by my usual co-host, Ben Gulker. Ben, how's it going? Les, I'm doing good. How's your voice holding up, man? Lots of talking. Lots of podcasting. I am not the one I'm worried about. I'm actually worried about our third our third member of the podcast tonight. <laughs> and that's Sean Murphy of the From Half Court Podcast and Woodward Sports. Sean, how are you doing, man? You Les, doing a lot I'm more doing... than me. <laughs> Laz, I'm doing great, man. Thank you so much for having me. It's it's an honor. I you know, I've been uh you know, we've known of each other for for or at least I've known of you for for a few years now and so um being here is really cool and yeah, man, it's been uh it's been a whirlwind of of quite a few days. I mean, with the draft, everything that's happened. There, listen, man, I'm still on cloud nine. It's it's been great. It's like okay, let's let's talk about that then. Let's we'll just get started with that then. Yeah. So Ben, what what did you think of the Jaden Ivy pick at five? Yeah. So um, look, this was not my my first selection. Um, mm-hmm. I was not not in love. Still not in love. I will preface this by saying obviously this is all subject to revision and change we have not seen any nba minutes we haven't seen him play against nba competition so this is super early this is the initial reaction uh i'll say two things i absolutely love about jay jay nivy uh first thing is the thing everyone's talking about and that's the athleticism this is the thing you absolutely cannot coach right it's it's to be a a bit cliche but it's absolutely the case you cannot coach the thing that he absolutely possesses. And it's something we haven't seen in a Detroit Piston in, look, I don't know when. When have we seen an explosive guard possess the kind of athleticism that he has? I mean, I I, I don't know. I can't remember a time that we have. So uh, absolutely love that about him. Uh, the second thing I'll say is the ability to get to the free throw line and get to the rim mm-hmm. as we've wanted this for, for as long so as long. we've known each other. <laughs> <laughs> right. And before um, he's fantastic at this, uh, probably the best in the draft at this. Um, and that's a real thing that I think is going to translate to the NBA. Uh, so that's fantastic. Those are the two things other people have, have waxed on about his upsides. Those are the two things that leap off. Uh, the tape, they leap off the stat page. They are very real. And I think those are going to be uh, skills that he brings to the table probably right away, right? Those things are going to translate and, and things he's going to do very well. Um, you know, the things I'm not in love with, these are things I opined a little bit about on Twitter, um, things I'm a little bit concerned about. Some of them I think are short term. Some of them worry me a little bit more over the long term. Um, first one, shooting, particularly three-point shooting. Um mm-hmm. You know, Laz, you talked about how this sort of became a concern over the course of his sophomore season. Um, he's not a very good three-point shooter, right? He was really bad as a freshman. He was better as a sophomore, but kind of tapered off uh, as the season went on. Um, that's something he's obviously going to have to work on. Uh, and it's it's a bit of an awkward fit with Cade Cunningham, right? If this is the backcourt of the future you know, I don't know. I don't know how much I, I love that pairing. Cade was not a very good shooter as a rookie. He's obviously got to work on that as well. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, how, do, how does that fit together? So 
they've got some serious work to do. Um, the thing that makes me a little more uncomfortable than just the raw shooting numbers for Ivy uh, as a college player is, you know, the free throw shooting, 72%, 74%. You know, he's great at getting to the line, not a great free throw shooter. And a lot of times when we're trying to project how good a shooter someone could become, we look at free throw shooting as one of those key indicators. Mm-hmm. And uh, 74%, not not great, right? So, you know, that makes me a little nervous. Uh, the second thing I'll say is defense. Uh, Cade certainly has all the tools to be a very good defender, but we certainly saw Casey hiding Cade, trying to keep him fresh, trying to keep him out of foul trouble, something he was not very good at. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. Is, Avi, is, is Ivy going to be a good defender? I, I worry a little bit. You know, one of the statistical models I really trust and think is very good is pretty low on Ivy as a defender. Um, at the NBA level, doesn't project him very well. You know, the tape I watched was pretty focused on his offense. So, you know, I'll defer to some other experts to say, you know, whether or not we think he's going to be a very good defender at the NBA level. I'm a little concerned about this. Um, You know, can he defend well? And is he going to be a guy who's capable of carrying some of of that load, particularly for Cade? Um, Because we want to find a guy who can sort of carry some of that load for Cade so Cade doesn't have to worry about matching up against the best backcourt player all the time, right? So mm-hmm. that's concerning for me. And then I think the third thing is turnovers. I don't think Ivy was particularly poor about this in college, but I think um, the thing that worries me when I watch a lot of his film is a very underdeveloped left hand, Um you know, Ivy strikes me as the kind of guy who was so incredibly athletic that I don't know if it's that he doesn't have a left hand or he's never had to use it because he was just so stinking athletic that he could just get by people all the time and finish with his right hand. Um, look, if I'm an NBA scout and an NBA uh, you know, defensive coach, I am just taking away his right hand all the time. And uh, one, obviously I think that makes it a little bit harder for him, but two, it makes me worry about turnovers. And, you know, I think if I'm, you know, if I'm game planning for the Pistons, if I'm a Pistons fan watching the Pistons and next season, I've got two really young guards in the backcourt. We watched Kate Cunningham struggle to handle the ball. We watched him face an incredible amount of double teams a season ago. And we watched how the turnovers ebbed and flowed, right? I think if we're looking at a very young backcourt of Kate Cunningham and, and Ivy, I, I think the turnovers are going to be a real concern. So those are the those are kind of the three things that I run through briefly as concerns for me about Jaden Ivy. Um, and, and some of them are related to him individually. Some of them are relating to the, the, the pairing short-term and long-term. I, 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 I don't know. I'm not, I'm not in love with it. Um, but I'm also admitting that both of these kids are, are kids, right? They're, they're super yeah. young. And um, I think the main takeaway for me right now is um, I think when you look at this team as it stands right now, knowing that they've got a lot of free agent money. Oh, hey, there's my dog making it. <laughs> uh, they've got a lot of free agent money. They might make a splash. They might not. But let's just talk about the team as it stands right now. I, I don't think they're going to be very good next season <laughs> because I think these two young kids are going to handle the ball a lot. They're going to shoot a lot. They're probably going to miss a lot. <laughs> they're probably going to turn it over a lot. And I just, for me, like that says – temper your expectations a bit. They're probably mm-hmm. going to have some sweet highlights. Like Ivy's going to probably have some amazing coast to coast finishes and that's going to be fun, but it's probably going to take a while before they're any good. And like I compared it to um, the wizards with Beal and wall, not because they're similar players, but like similar timeline, right? Like it, it took a while before the Wizards were any good with those two guards, right? And eventually they threatened 50 wins. And, you know, unfortunately they got derailed with injuries and et cetera. But it, I think it might take a while for the for these guys to really come to fruition and maturity. And uh, look, I, I hope it happens for both of them, but I, I'm just not jumping up and down as much as I think some of the other 
the other fans are. And, uh, no, I mean, I'll wait for uh, Sean and Laz to tell me why I'm crazy. But no, that, no, no. That's this kind is of my initial reaction. This is good because I know Sean is a guy who perhaps maybe wasn't like exactly jumping up and down, but verbally jumping up and down. So I, I wanted co- to yeah, have. Yeah, I was. I was the. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. The jumping up and down. Yeah, listen, man. I, I think first of all, is there is there pros and cons to any player that you can that you can get in the draft? Absolutely, and a lot of that, a lot of that analysis, a lot of those things you bring up are are valid concerns for Jaden Ivey's game. However, there there are things that that make me feel more comfortable. First of all, the the value of getting a player like Jaden Ivey at the fifth overall pick, we just have to say is really high value, right? The fact that he dropped two five, a guy that. That even after we made the pick, teams were calling and clamoring in the opportunity to get their hands on 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 Jaden Ivy. That speaks volumes. I think. In addition, when you look at the defensive end of the ball, obviously those concerns are there. I think it's hard to evaluate what a player is going to look like in the professional ranks in college at the defensive end because a lot of it is: are they tuned in on the defensive end at all times? I think you have to look at you know. Do they have the intangibles or do they have what it takes? And in addition, guys, we have to remember Troy Weaver challenged Jaden Ivey. One of the things that he said to him when he came to visit the Pistons throughout the draft process was he challenged him to be great on the defensive end. I don't I don't think from his athleticism, from 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 his physical intangibles, I, I don't think any of us believe that he can't be a, at, at least a good defender just with with those with those physical traits that he has. So in my opinion, I, I think obviously the shooting is something that he still has to work on. We, we saw improvement from his first season to his second season at Purdue. I think being around Kate Cunningham and in addition with, with some of his three-point shooting, I wonder if just like the ease of the looks that he's going to get just from playing with a guy like Kate inherently will make a shot easier. But I think a lot of his concerns, if you were to ask me about Jaden Ivey, about how comfortable I would be about his projection as a star was way different if he went number four than if he went number five. Because I have way more confidence with Jaden Ivey to grow and develop and nurture in a system with Troy Weaver and Dwayne Casey and Kate Cunningham alongside him than I am if he went to play alongside De'Aaron Fox in Sacramento. So I, I think this is just one of those situations where if you where if you just where if you just combine the circumstances and the situation as long as well as what's going to be expected because you know with Jaden Ivy he's not going to have to come in and be our number one guy right away right the 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 thing that's going to be be beneficial is that he can come in and he can be that guy who can help Cade in lighting up the offense it's kind of like how. Um, it's kind of, it's very reminiscent of, of, you know, and obviously the, it's, they're different players, but it's, it's kind of like how, uh, Jalen Brown can come in and, and add that, that extra force of offense. And when Jason Tatum can't always, you know, take over the game, we saw Jalen Brown was able to take the ball and make things happen. So, you know, I, as Ben said there, you know, I, I would agree that there are things that, that Ivy needs to work on his game. They're gonna have a lot of turnovers day one. This isn't going to be a situation where, you know, a lot of people are expecting this team to be awesome immediately. And I would just encourage people to temper their expectations. We haven't talked about Duran yet, but I mean, Ivy and Duran both are just insanely young players. So I think the Detroit Pistons got a lot more athletic. I think we got a lot more talented. I think Jaden Ivy has, has the intangibles and a lot of things to be a really good NBA player, but it's not a guarantee. It's going to come down to how this develops and how they work. But I mean, with Jaden Ivey's uh, work ethic and, and the, and the family he comes from and everything, I don't like to bet. I don't like to bet against those type of people. No, I think that's, me. that's totally fair. I think definitely Ivy has like one of the questions that we had in the pre-draft process was uh you know what what's his mental makeup right like what kind of player does he see and envision himself as being and when we when i heard jonathan gavoni speak on the low post about how ivy was telling teams that he sees himself as a combo guard not necessarily like a point guard a guy who like has the ball in his hands all the time i was like okay that was that was a really big thing for me because i do think um the we will get the best 
out of him by making sure that he is like the number two to Cade as opposed to right. them them splitting them splitting time so much. Um I I I think about the the one thing that neither of you really mentioned was like the playmaking. Um Ben kind of mentioned this with the left hand. I do think that you can force him into you can force him into turnovers if you make him go left. You can also force him into making like just the easy reads or kind of stopping the offense. And I do wonder how it's like we've seen Cade be such a a proficient playmaker so early. It's like I do wonder if we have another like ball stopper on the floor, how that alters that pairing. But like you you like what Ivy is able to bring to the floor athletically. It's like that's something that defenses have to account for, right? You you get sped up by Ivy and you get slowed down by Cade and you you never get to play defense at the rhythm that you would like to be able to play it. I think that that is uh, that's really encouraging. We haven't mm-hmm. had someone who can dictate terms um, offensively on the Pistons in quite some time, and I think uh, having that combination be able to do so will be uh, will be really versatile and useful. Um, I worry about the shooting. But what I'm more worried about is like the the lack of a mid range game. It's like because Jaden Ivey shoots so much of a set shot, it's hard for him to get like mid range pull ups, and he uh, kind of reverts to to floaters in the mid range, and he hasn't really got the timing or touchdown on those quite yet. And so I want to see him improve in that area first. That will be really important for him because if it gives him a weapon for teams to not just feel like they can go under the screen against him, right? It gives him mm-hmm. something else to do besides just like st- take step back threes, which um, are inefficient shots for anyone, like not named Steph Curry, right? So I, I want Jaden Ivey attacking the rim. I want him doing what he's uh, what he's best at. And if guys give him the space to to get to the paint, I want him to be able to eat up that space and then, you know, stop, hit a floater, um, uh, be more like uh, the John Morant that he's been so often compared to. Yeah, and I think what I love about this situation last year, point is that he could be more of that John Morant that he's being compared to, but he doesn't have to be John Morant with the expectations and the workload and everything that he's doing, right? Like even if even if Jaden Ivey never becomes that John Morant comparison, the fact that he's in a situation to Detroit where he has a guy alongside him like Cade Cunningham, and then in addition, guys like Sadiq Bay. Who, who who we we think as highly of as we do. I, I think that just adds more to it. I think this was the, you know, if you look at all the prospects that we could have gotten, because I, I think this was, you know, you you truly at Detroit, in my opinion, really, you know, for the majority could not have gone wrong with whoever we selected at five. And to me, I've always thought this was the perfect balance of, of floor and ceiling because you want to bring in a guy who can who can come in and play day one. And and I and and, I, and even though there's things that Ivy won't be perfect, a one, I still think he can contribute at certain levels. I still think there's things that he can do, like you said, where he can he can cut to the basket. He can he can change our pace. We can speed up. We can slow down. We can do a multitude multitude of different things. But in addition, it's it's just going to be his ability to grow and nurture, and it's really going to be how this thing looks four or five years from now. Yeah, Ben was was there anybody else that you would have preferred to see at this number five overall pick? My choices were one A Keegan Murray, one B Ben Math, and then I didn't really have a a strong opinion after that. I just wasn't high on Jaden Ivey, <laughs> so that that was honestly kind of where I where I had settled in. Um, because I, I just, I was really intrigued by Ben Math's shooting. I just, I really, really, really wanted to add shooting. Um, mm-hmm. and that's, that's still a really large weakness for this team. If it's you really, 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 oh, yeah. really yeah. <laughs> deficient. We're going to talk about free agency later. And like, I, that's definitely going to be a target. I, I, you have to imagine that's a target for, for the team this off season. Um, but yeah, actually, so let's let's get to the second guy. That's twenty minutes on Jaden Ivey. Jaden Ivey deserves twenty minutes, but oh, uh, we've, yeah. we've given it to him. Yeah, uh, Ben, what did you think about the Jalen Duran pick? Not necessarily the trade. We'll get to the machinations of the trade and everything a little bit later. But what did you just think of the selection of Jalen Duran? I'm excited about his long term prospects. I mean, super raw, very young, but holy cow, does that kid have athleticism and strength? And just an incredible set of 
really, I think, pretty underdeveloped, super raw set of skills. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really excited about it. I think at the selection, at the, the 13th pick, that's a, a very solid selection. Um, obviously, you're super excited about thinking about him rim running and catching lobs, right? Finally. Yeah. I mean, wow. That is super exciting to think about. I really hope, you know, Dwayne Casey is not too patient. I hope he lets him play through some of the mistakes he's inevitably going to make as a young big man because he's obviously going to commit some silly fouls. He's obviously going to blow some defensive assignments as as just a kid in the NBA. Um, but, man, I am very excited to watch this this beast of a young man um, run and jump and dunk and hopefully rebound and block some shots, too. I, I really like the pick. I'm excited about this one. Yeah, I, I'm with you there, Ben, for sure. Sean, what do you think of the Duran pick? Yeah, I'm going to be honest, man. Before the pre-draft process, I did not do as much digging on Duran as as I thought. Or, or maybe I, I wish I did in hindsight, just because I didn't know truly to the level that he was going to be at play. Mm-hmm. I thought the with the Aiton reports, I thought, I thought we were going to be out of the center running here. I thought Aiton was playing A, and I thought a guy would like Duran was going to end up ultimately being plan B. Obviously, with James Edwards III reporting and everything that we see, that turns out to be the opposite case. I mean, listen, you go get a guy who, youngest player in the draft, has a body and a build like a beast, a guy who looks like a grown man at 6'11", 250 pounds, the build that he has, the rim running ability that he has, and then best of all, being the value proposition of like what you actually had to give up and what you got in return. I just think, I don't think there's any mystique that he fits our timeline better than Jeremy does. He just does. Right. And so I I love what he brings to the table immediately, but in addition, the, the upside as well of, of what he can be. And again, all we had to give up was that 2025 first round pick and take on the salary of, of Kemba. I'm just in love with the pick, man. He's yeah. he, he's just a, a force. And and then, you know, with both of these guys, the, the the Detroit ties and the and the things that you can't make up, right? You know, like like with Ivy, obviously, like all those family ties that that were highlighted, but then with Duran to be working with the guy so closely in college, like Rasheed Wallace. And to end up in Detroit and and to be such a perfect player for Detroit, it's like you can't make that stuff up, right? You can't write that better in Hollywood. You can't. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to Duran uh, more than I anticipated I would. I, he is somebody that I was interested in. I had him top ten on my big board. I just thought the value proposition of picking him at five uh, made that like that that really deterred me. Um, but being able right. to acquire a second first round pick. And get a guy who you hope can anchor that center position for the next, you know, seven, eight years is is massive. Um, ben brought up the fact that, you know, I, th- I think that they will bring him along slowly just because he will make a lot of rookie mistakes. We know Dwayne Casey values defense. We know 18, 19 year old centers are probably going to be pretty bad on defense. We know the team has good defenders uh, at the center position in Isaiah Stewart already like in-house. And so it, it makes a lot of sense to me that uh, they will bring him along slowly. But by the end of the year, I definitely think he will be making a major, major impact uh, for this team. Can I just say Sean, yeah, way? yeah. What what do you think happens with Isaiah Stewart, Sean? Yeah, I the 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 initial thing that ever that I heard from everyone was well, he's gone, which I just think is inherently you know. First of all, let, let's remember the value just that that Isaiah Stewart brings right now. Just with, just with his switchability and his physicality and the effort that he plays on a night-to-night basis. I think you have to look at, like, you know, obviously you have to look at what, what happens in the playoffs and the landscape of the league and what, what, the, what the best of the best are doing right now. And to me, I look at what, what, what Isaiah Stewart is and what he can be. And, and, and I look at guys like, you know, like, like I kind of see like a mixture of, of guys like, you know, like Grant Williams, like if he can get like a somewhat, if he can hit that three point shot, like a mixture of Grant Williams with some, 
like a miniature Al Horford, <laughs> a, a little bit of like what he was able to do for that team in the playoffs this past season. I just, in my opinion, I think with with Isaiah Stewart's switchability and and the effort that he plays with on on the defensive end, I I, I think there's a reason why Isaiah Stewart's still being considered a part of this core, and it's just because I, I think he he just I think he can very much still be the the heart and the and the and the soul of a Troy Weaver Pistons team going forward. I don't think Jalen Duran on this team means that Isaiah Stewart is not, doesn't have a role with us going forward. Yeah. I think if, if Duran develops defensively the, the way you would like ideally like him to, there's definitely a, a role for both of them on the team. But Ben in, in the short term, you know, what do you think about the Duran selection and how it impacts Isaiah Stewart's role on this team? Well, I don't, think there's any reason to assume that Duran is ready for big minutes right right now um we haven't seen him play a minute of NBA basketball yet right true what we know about him is that he has the physicality body and athleticism to play NBA minutes we don't really know a whole lot other than that yet Bryce has a great breakdown of him on Detroit bad boys right now shout out Bryce yeah I would go I would go review that Bryce is really high on him and, and Bryce is right about a lot of things. Um, I'm, I'm a little more cautious. Um, I think particularly defensively, um, and I would, we'll, we'll talk about this more, at least I will, particularly because I'm skeptical of our guards' ability to keep people out of the paint. I think we're going to have to be good defensively on the interior, and we don't even know who our starting power forward is yet. I am inclined to believe that Isaiah Stewart remains the starting center. Um, I don't see any reason to to see that changing at least at least over the first chunk of the season. Um, so I, I don't see any reason to think Duran's moving into the starting lineup right away. Presumptively, I've got Isaiah Stewart still starting. Um, I would expect to see Duran getting small chunks of minutes here and there early in the season, and being expected to earn his minutes as it is warranted defensively. Uh, that's how I would expect that to occur. I mean, that's kind of what we saw with Isaiah Stewart too, right? I mean, Laz, sure. I remember being very frustrated that <laughs> Beef didn't get more minutes, right, in his rookie season. Yep. Um, I don't expect anything different with Duran. So I, I think we should temper our expectations a little on that front. Dwayne Casey's already pretty much said as much. He, he even said during during the press availability during the uh, after the draft he said you want to get on the court there's going to be three ways running up and down the court playing great defense and rebounding so that that's already kind of being set for Duran and 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 I think I think people are looking at what Jalen like I think people are looking at Jalen Duran already and people are looking at what he can be a few months down the road or with some development in the league and and, and Ben like you said I think we have to look at truly how young this guy is this is a guy that reclassified this is this is if 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 he was to be if he were to have come out a year and a half later that would be the age that deandre ayton came came out in the draft so this kid is insanely young but again you look at the situation he's going in i mean imagine if jalen duran went to charlotte instead of detroit that could almost entirely change the the trajectory of of his career being in that in this type of culture that can help and in, 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 in my opinion can help him nurture into that big man that we hope he can be because I think I think uh I think what people are doing with it is people are looking at what you know the center that they want Jalen Duran to be instead of who he actually is today okay so now I think we should shift to the Jeremy Grant trade which ultimately kind of landed us Jalen Duran um mm-hmm. Ben, it's like I know we we talked about it uh, at the time. We were not very enthused about the return on the trade, uh, but now that we know that essentially Jeremy Grant was traded for uh, Jalen Duran, Kimball Walker's dead money, and eleven million dollars worth of cap space after you remove Kimball Walker's nine million worth of dead money, how are you feeling about the return on on Jeremy Grant? Yeah, well, I feel great about it now. I mean, I think. James Edwards reporting, I think, is what made me feel okay with it. It it was surprising to learn that this was the best concrete offer that the Pistons had 
for Jeremy Grant. I think mm-hmm. that that surprised me. I mean, I wasn't as high on Jeremy Grant as lots of people were, but I think the sense was that the league was higher on Jeremy Grant than a 2025 first round pick, right? That, that surprised me. Um, but I think what, what Troy Weaver was a, able to turn that into was um, that, that was very savvy. That, that was very well done. Uh, Troy Weaver deserves a tremendous amount of credit for, for pulling that off. Um, and he got his guy. Um, so great work, Troy, <laughs> great work, Troy Weaver. Um, I, I'm very impressed uh, with that piece, with that piece of general management. That was, uh, that was fantastic to see that level of creativity um, you know, th- that's the kind of creativity I want my GM to outsmart me. <laughs> that's the kind of thing <laughs> that I want to see happen, right? Like that sort of creativity is, is the kind of thing you want to see happen from your front office. So I- yeah. I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled with it. I do wish at times it were simpler, right? Like James and Amari have also pointed this out that like Troy Weaver has this penchant for uh, like doing uh, one trade. And it doesn't make sense until he does the second trade. And it doesn't make sense until he does the third trade. And like, as somebody who's got to like, who is not privy to the inner workings of Troy Weaver's mind, it's really frustrating. Just like do the thing, Troy. Like I'm not <laughs> like, there's only so much my poor Pistons heart can take. Right. right, right. Like uh, Laz, you had that flow chart, right? Like for the right. draft, like you can envision Troy's flow chart. Like it's gotta be like the size of my master bedroom wall. Like, right. you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's just, layers upon layers. Oh my god! But yeah, uh, definitely. I was uh, I was also surprised by the reporting by James Edwards that um, that was the best concrete offer that they had received for Jeremy Grant. I had pretty much resigned myself to them not being able to receive the seventh pick from the Portland Trailblazers. I talked to some people. They said that like that wasn't basic. That basically wasn't in the cards. It's like okay, that makes sense. Uh, but I did think Jeremy Grant was like worth a top twenty first round pick. Uh, in the NBA draft and ultimately like that's what he got traded for so I was I was really happy with the value we ended up with just you know I I hate relying on the uh, whims of the New York Knicks to (laughs) pull off successful trades but like Troy so far Troy's been able to do it so I can't really complain Sean Sean what do you think of the uh, the eventual return on Jeremy Grant yeah, I my my initial reaction was was very much like everybody's. It was it was confusion. It was um, you know, it, it it was it was the very initial gut reaction was disappointment. It was that's it. Um, but I I think like we like you guys said, you have to, you know, with Troy Weaver, you almost have to look at each move he does and and think of it through the lens of is there another move on the way or is there a series of moves that could potentially be coming as well because i think troy weaver unlike a lot of gms in the league is very much the type of general manager that if he's making one move he's making two or three or four mm-hmm. you know it's a it's a move on top of other moves so for him to ultimately you know walk out with with at the end of the day getting uh Jalen Duran in return for Jeremy Grant and all we have to do is give up a pick that didn't be, you know didn't belong to us uh you know an hour ago or I mean uh 24 you know 24 hours before the draft it it, it was in our hands that's it and then you know in addition to um you know all we have to do is take on the, the contract of Kemba and eat that and still have a ton of calories, calories, uh, as salary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, man. It, it's been a long weekend. Salary cast phase. It's just phenomenal, man. We're in a good spot. Hey, and Hey, not, not too many calories either. So can be on a good diet as well. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, you know, I personally love Italian food. Italian food's really great, but it's also super high in calories. Speaking of Italian stuff. <laughs> 36 they did get the 36 overall pick as well in the uh in the Jeremy Grant trade that turned into Gabrielle Perchita that uh an Italian sharpshooter with some nice with some nice athleticism uh not a guy I expected of a guy that other people had like told me to point out to look out for but everybody tells you to look out for 40 different guys in the second round so I'd never really take the time to investigate any of them Ben have you done any uh any uh look at Perchita and uh, what he might bring to the team I, so I watched like one video that got mentioned on Twitter and saw some shooting and some jumping. Uh, and that's the extent of it. Um, 
so I, I think I'm with you as I, I really haven't invested a ton of. Yeah, I think I think they. I don't know if they formally announced that they, he's going to be stashed, but it is, it is my expectation that we don't see him uh, come to the Pistons uh, until next year. But uh, but yeah. Sean, do you, any any passing thoughts on Gabrielle? I mean, we we pretty much got got those reports almost right away that mm-hmm. that the plan was for him to be stashed. I mean. It, it, it's at the very least, you know, there is the upside of, of there was there were rumblings of him perhaps being one of the one of the best shooters in the draft. But I mean, listen, I, I, I just think that the that the cap space in this case is more important. I, I think with almost anybody that we would would have selected there, it would have been hard pressed to see them have a have any playing time, you know, on this team or any anything other than a Motor City Cruise role. Mm-hmm. right away so if if he was really only going to play with the motor city cruise this season anyways maybe you could make the argument it just makes more sense just to stay over there but i mean listen it's uh it's one of those situations where uh you know I, i'm thrilled with the return we have if that's someone that you know we we eventually a few years down the road look at and go holy cow what an awesome you know what a awesome under the radar pick by trey weaver but in reality, I think this is just one of those ones that, you know, we probably forget about because of the returns that we got on, that we got in that first round. Yeah. Yeah. I know um, it was like it, there is something to like bringing him over and uh, having him play like in your system for a year as opposed to having him be in a, in a more comfortable system right. overseas. Um, but I will say like, you know, the Pistons have enough salary that i'm not necessarily worried about uh salary what i am worried about is roster spots right there are a lot of there aren't that many roster spots available uh for the team uh this offseason and so i I do think he would kind of be it'd be very crowded uh uh, for him to to come over right now um but one of the ways i guess the pistons will be filling out their roster is free agency uh ben so like the pistons after the draft the pistons and after the presumed uh, release or uh, buyout or whatever they're going to do with Kemba Walker, which I haven't heard any details about that since the trade, um, the Pistons will still have uh, the salary cap space for a max contract. Um, they will. That also means that they will have the salary cap space for multiple smaller contracts. Um, would you Would you prefer a like one big max offer sheet to a restricted free agent, Ben? Um, you know, using the cap space to to pick up multiple options, or uh, or you know, just kind of taking on some bad salary, uh, getting compensated in draft picks, kind of kind of renting out the cap space for the season. Well, so the first thing is the Pistons got to get a power forward, right? So, um, you know, I think it would make no, no love for Marvin Bagley. Well, that's what I mean. They got to get they got to get a power forward, <laughs> and Marvin Bagley is not under contract yet. So right, that's fair. That's fair. Um. I would be in favor of throwing something like the mid-level exception at, at Marvin Bagley for, for three years. Uh, Cause he is not, like I said, he's not under contract and, and they, you can throw Sadiq Bay out there part-time and that's fine. But um, I don't see Isaiah Stewart playing full-time minutes there. Even part-time minutes make me a little uncomfortable. <laughs> so uh, you, you got to get somebody who can play, play power forward position. So Marvin Bagley fits the bill as a placeholder for me. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the only restricted free agent that, to me, makes any sort of sense at all is Aiton. I mean, I feel like a lot of people had talked about Colin Sexton. Or, you know, Brunson was a name that had been thrown around a lot. I think after you draft Ivy, you're, you'd be scratching your head thinking, well, why would you go after either of those two guards, yeah, right? Like, definitely. How, how does that make any sense? You've just got – why would you have Cunningham, Sexton, Ivy, and or Brunson? Like, what – there's only one basketball. There's only so many minutes. I, I don't know why that any of that makes sense. So I think that sort of leaves you with Aiton as the only viable target. And then you're, you're leaving yourself with Aiton, Stewart, and, and Duran, and you're, you're scratching your head thinking, okay, there's only one center position. So you've created a log jam, right? So I don't know. That leaves me toward the option that I prefer anyways, um, which is instead of thinking as cap space, um, and I've seen James Edwards, and I think Amari has been using this term too, uh, cap flexibility, right? Absolutely. And, and the the term on the the blog on the site has been uh, sin eating, which I like. Um, take on some bad contracts with first round picks attached, right? Um, you know, one or two years of bad salary for some first round picks over the next one, two, or three seasons. 
which gives you some more prospects that come to fruition, um, you know, over Caden Ivy's prime. I, I think personally, that's what you ought to be targeting. Um, looking at, you know, sort of the second year of Cade's post-rookie max, I think is when you really want to start peaking. You know, you, you look at a team like Memphis, they're probably ahead of schedule because John mm-hmm. Morant has bloomed early. Maybe Cade blooms early, but I, I think you really want to start thinking about the fact that you're probably peaking when Cade is like, you know, 24, 25. Mm-hmm. I really think personally continue to be patient, continue to build slowly. Um, you know, what Weaver did in this draft, what he did when he picked up Bay and Stewart late in the first round, there is some incredible value to be had. 13, 16, 19. Uh, go get more picks like that and pick up quality players that way. I, I think Weaver has demonstrated he's he's got a keen eye for talent in the mid to late first round. And uh, personally, I, I think Detroit, particularly as a free agent destination has better odds of building talent at in the draft, particularly at that point in the draft than they do via paying a premium in free agency, particularly restricted free agency, which is always a gamble. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's my preferred option. Uh, I just feel like that, that is better odds over the long term than getting in a bidding war with Phoenix or, or whomever else, which, you know, I, I just don't, I, I don't feel good, particularly this this round of restricted free agency in particular just feels like it could backfire in a pretty spectacular way. Yeah, that, I I think that's definitely fair. Sean, uh, what, what would your preference be for how they handle the utilization of their uh, max cap space this offseason? Yeah, I, I listen, I, I think uh, with with everything that we heard, it sounds like it sounds like DeAndre Ayton was was, you know, more so the plan B and that what happened at draft night, you know, sounds like that's where we really wanted to go and what, what we really wanted to happen. In my opinion, I, I think you with with everything that we've acquired, I, I, I think like like Ben said, if there's a if there's a player that, that Troy Weaver's truly in love with in this restricted free agency period like if he truly is you know uh infatuated with miles bridges and believe that his game can can develop and that being next to Cade would 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 really help him then then you know i know that's someone that that we're reportedly in the mix for but at the same time i i i wonder you know about his shooting ability long term i mean that's somebody that just um you know never never have looked at miles bridges jump shot and gone man that's just a that's just a pleasant sight uh, <laughs> you know, um, but it, I, I do think that that the ability to have options and be flexible in this summer, you know, if, if we can go get, you know, go go get veterans that make this team better now, players that um, that, you know, can come in and play a role, but also not have too much money tied up long term so that that we have the flexibility because Detroit can go at a star in the future, but like like Ben said, it might not be through free agency. You know, we have the ability and we have the options, you know, if we if we need to make that happen through trade. If, you know, whatever the Pistons want to do, that we can go down multiple different avenues this summer and in this offseason. And 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 that's the thing. We just haven't had this level of flexibility in such a long time. And then when you marry that with with the level of talent and upside we have on the roster as well. I mean, how do you not feel a level of optimism, right? You guys are so reasonable. My Spartan heart is just like, go get Miles Bridges. Do it. <laughs> I mean, listen, man, from a, from a fun standpoint, dude, like I, I would be all about it. And, and, and there's, there's a lot of reasons from upside that, that with Miles Bridges on this team, like, I, there's reasons why I, I would have reason to be optimistic, but at the same time, you know, with, with his three point shooting, we really only saw that surge this past season. Are we confident that's going to stay put? I mean, this is a guy that, you know, you, you really do have to have to, this is, this is where you really come to the case of you might really like what a lot of players bring to the table, but are they worth that max dollar type contract? Does Miles Bridges affect winning in that type of way? You know. Yeah. No. I, I. I hear you. I hear you. I'm just. I'm just sad about it. I just need a moment. 
uh, I was actually, I was your dreams last. <laughs> no, it's, it's, I was talking to uh, someone who covers the Hornets and uh, I was asking like whether the, the obvious thing with the Hornets is like their defense has been uh, just really uh, abominable at times, uh, especially like in, in cropping up during really on, inopportune times for James Borrego, like the playing games. Um, and I asked them like whether or not bridges was uh, like uh a symptom or a cause of the bad defenses like was was he a victim of the other four guys on the floor or was he a guy that was like contributing a lot to the breakdowns of the defense and all i got back was yes so that, that did not make me feel good about, uh, about how miles bridges might be fitting uh, on this like defense focused wayne casey uh, detroit basketball team um but i do i i feel obligated to throw miles bridges name into the mix for that cap space though just as a spartan who uh, needs more Spartans in the building? We already got two, like three Wolverines on the team. Like we need, <laughs> we need some more Spartans. I love it. Uh, all right, all right, guys. Uh, the the last thing I wanted to talk about was summer league. We're obviously very excited about watching uh, Jaden Ivey and Jalen Duran put on Pistons uniforms and play basketball for the first time as uh, professional NBA players. It's gonna be really exciting. But there's still kind of some other uh, things I wanted to talk about with summer league. Uh, Sean, do you think Killian Hayes needs to play in year three in Las Vegas? And if so, like, what does he need to show? In my opinion, does he does he need to play? I, I no, but should he? I think he should. I, I, I think he's the kind of guy that, uh, you know, you talk about, you know, Troy Weaver and Dwayne Casey. The talk has just been getting him Americanized, getting him more reps and you could make the argument that there would be few things better for, for uh, Killian's confidence than if best case scenario, he just goes down to the summer league with these young guys and just cooks. Right. I mean, I, I think realistically with Killian Hayes, you know, with, with, with everything that, that, ha- that has transpired over the last 48 hours with, with Jaden Ivey being on the roster, obviously our outlook and and perhaps even our hopes of of what Killian on the rost on the roster looks like te- is just inherently tempered with Jaden Ivey on on our on our team. But I, I I think I think realistic you know realistically like expectation wise for the summer league, I'm going in. You know I know last year you know with our full roster, everyone went and hyped, and it was like oh we're gonna win the summer league championship. And all this sort of stuff, and 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 listen, man, I, you know, I I know Duran and and Ivy and and whoever we have out there, they're gonna go out and compete. But I'm just expecting fun plays. That's really about it. Just let these guys go out there and learn and develop, and you know, let's just try to not take too much out of it because you know, last year we were like, oh, I don't know, Cade might not be able to to blow bass guys or get get easy offense, and we saw how that worked out on the on the NBA level, right? So. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard because you could, you can just, you can really take, make way too many overreactions from summer league. No, I think that's definitely fair. But Ben, what what do you think? Does, uh, what does, does Killian Hayes need to play in Las Vegas? I don't think he needs to. I mean, I, if what I want to see from Killian Hayes, I, I, I like Killian Hayes a lot more than most of the fan base does because I'm not as hyper-focused, I think, on individual offense and scoring as a lot of people right. are. I really like what Killian does defensively, and I've talked about what I like about his what he does on offense other than scoring. Um, the only reason I'd want to see him in summer league is if you know he's done a whole lot of work on his jump shot and, and or ability to finish at the rim, right? And if they want to see him put that to the test against you know potential NBA competition. Um, the other reason you might want to to run him a little bit is if you want to give him another NBA level ball handler to take a little pressure off Ivy, I think. So maybe you're trying to pair him with a guy who can take some pressure off Ivy. Um, that might make some sense. Um, but I, I don't think he needs to. No, um, I don't think, you know, what he does or doesn't do in summer league, in my opinion, is not going to have much to do with the ultimate decision they make around Killian. I think Killian's make or break moments are going to be decided uh, in the real games, right? I mean, what he does on the court over the court, you know, over the course of the next 82 real games, that's, that's going to make or break Killian Hayes moments as a piston. I think that's definitely fair. I, mm-hmm. 
you you brought up the the backcourt of Killian and Jaden Ivey, and I I don't I don't think he needs to play in Las Vegas, but I do think it would be really useful if he did, just so that they can get that pairing some experience. You know, Cade can't play forty eight minutes. Um, there are going to be times when Killian and Jaden Ivey are on the floor at the same time. And we have questions, real questions about both of those guys' ability to shoot the basketball. Um, and so I think getting them experience and reps together and like having them figure out how they can play off each other is going to be really important. And Vegas, uh, as a, uh, I won't say defense is optional in Vegas, <laughs> but defense is not necessarily prioritized in Vegas. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that will be a, that's a good, it, first experience like a fir- a good first uh like walkthrough for those two guys to get to to know how to how to play next to each other i think that'll be a good scenario for both of them but yeah i'm i'm also excited about isaiah livers i think livers is just going to come in and do his thing in las vegas this is going to be really funny we'll be like oh man i I've, i feel a uh a bruce brown triple double-esque like performance <laughs> out of isaiah livers coming uh this vegas summer league and we're gonna be like oh man should livers start and we're doing to do that whole thing that's gonna be fun sean We've taken up uh, a bunch of your time already, man. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Um, I, I know it's been a long time coming for you, and uh, we're, we're definitely going to have to do this again sometime. Oh, absolutely, man. Thank you all so much for having me. Absolutely. This was a pleasure. Thank you for, you know, obviously I, I've noted this podcast for such a long time. You guys are, you know, Pistons OGs. So just, uh, you know, <laughs> you know just, just to be here is, is just cool as heck, man. It's been a dream come true, but... I'm just excited for all the coverage that we're going to be able to do. And and guys, we're in an exciting time for Pistons coverage, man. We really are. Absolutely. Let the people know where they can find you and your coverage of the Detroit Pistons, though, Sean. Yeah, absolutely. So you can find uh, you can find me on Twitter at Sean F. Court. Um, also making a lot of uh, a lot of Pistons content on From Half Court with Jeff Iafrady, but also um, on Woodward Pistons and Woodward Sports as well. I'm all over the place. So. Uh, Best place to, to find everything. You can find me on Twitter at Sean Halfcourt. And from there, it'll show you all the other things I'm doing and what's going on. Yeah, I'm going to have to get Jeff on the podcast, too. I'm going to have to talk to Jeff. We're going we're gonna to see what's up. Uh, ben, let the people know where they can find you and what uh, what you've been working on for the Pistons this offseason. Yeah, Twitter's a great spot, at BRGolker on Twitter. Of course, at DetroitBadBoys.com. Mostly in the comments right now. Uh, but, uh, yeah, maybe I should write a little bit this this season. Laz, what do you think? I think I think this season is going to spur creativity from a lot of people, and uh, I definitely hope you're included in that. Ben, I always love uh, reading your your thoughts in in the comments, and so I, I do hope you kind of you know can uh, can make that a little bit more cohesive and uh, put that up as a post. I think people would enjoy that. All right, I appreciate um, it. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Last Chance. It's at L A Z C H A N C E. Um, I wrote a couple of things for Detroit Bad Boys. We did. We had the uh, we had the live stream of the NBA draft um, with um, Bryce Simon at Motor City Hoops' YouTube channel. Obviously, go check that out to see our live reactions of all the picks. That was a lot of fun. I enjoyed doing that a lot. We'll probably do that again uh, next season. Absolutely. Um, but thank you all for listening. This has been the Detroit Bad Boys podcast, and we will talk to you all uh, sometime in the future. Free agency is coming up. When stuff happens, we'll we'll talk. See ya.